Your home is supposed to be somewhere you can feel safe. The wall should be a warm, safe hug that surrounds you. But that's not always the case. Sometimes the scariest monsters are living in those same walls, waiting for their opportunity to strike. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and welcome back. How's your guys' week been? Mine has been pretty crazy. We are going on vacation this week, and it has been kind of insane getting ready to head out. Um, But yeah, one of my dogs is having some issues too, so that's been a little stressful. But that's basically all that's new in my life. So hopefully everything's the same for you guys. Everything's nice and just kind of move in. Also, there must be like a ball game or something going down around my house because there are people going up and down my street right now and my dog is going insane. So sorry if you can hear her in the background. Oh, and some other exciting news. Um, I did finally make my YouTube channel. I actually have the first like two episodes on there. There is no picture right now. I can't get that to work in my favor. So it's just a picture of the logo and it's just some audio from the podcast. I am going to start posting on YouTube as well. They are all going to be episodes that you've probably already heard. They're all going to be the old ones right now. And I'm probably going to post twice a week on my YouTube until I'm caught up. And then I'll just post basically the same day that I post Um, for you guys on the podcast. And I might honestly post a week later. I'm trying to decide how I want to do that. So yeah, if you would rather listen on like YouTube or something like that, I am most likely going to launch that in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to get a couple more made and on there before I officially post anything. But yes, I have figured out my issues, worked them all out, and I've got the first two episodes created now. And they're just waiting for a release date. So yeah, I will let you guys know when we are all caught up on YouTube. So if you do want to start listening on there, you know when we're caught up. Anyways, that's everything on my end, I think. And we can just go ahead and move into today's case. Now today's case is about Daniel LaPlate, LaPlatt, LaPlante. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Um, you guys know me. I struggle with English, and it's my only language that I know. Now, before we talk too much about the information you can read about Daniel that I have read, I want to put in a disclaimer. I did see this on one of my articles, but I do feel like it's very important to let you guys know. In this article, it talked about how almost all of the information online and available to the public is false. People and the media and everybody has taken this story and twisted it into more of a folklore type of story to scare people. Um, Because of this, I wanted to make sure you guys knew that this case that I'm going to cover today is based off of the stuff that I have access to. The online articles is based off of the media and it is entirely possible that a lot of this could be false. Because of that, I want you to take this whole, you know, case with a grain of salt Um, If you do know of facts that I have gotten wrong 
or you know you're related to somebody in this case or something go ahead and reach out send me an email and let me know and I would be more than happy to fix it but I do want to let you guys know right now that I did see a disclaimer claiming that a lot of the information online is false and has been twisted up to make it sound more extreme than it was so I wanted to let you guys know that before we continued and obviously if you listen to the very end of my podcast you've probably heard my disclaimer that talks about that how it is always possible that anything that I cover could be wrong but it's just based off of what I have access to myself and my own research um and like I said if there's anything wrong that you know of go ahead and reach out and I would be more than happy to fix that now that we got that out of the way let's talk about Daniel LaPlate like I said I'm not sure how to say his last name Daniel lived with his mother and his stepfather, and he would unfortunately grow up very physically and mentally abused by a lot of the adults that were supposed to be safe people around him. Unfortunately, one of those adults was his father, his stepfather, and you guys, even his psychiatrist. All of these men would abuse and sexually abuse him, and you can just imagine the type of stress he grew up because these people were supposed to be safe people especially his psychiatrist and they were taking advantage of him now when he was young he would be diagnosed with dyslexia because he really couldn't function through school and it was a pretty clear diagnosis it also at the time seemed like he was struggling to pay attention and this would also lead them to diagnose him with ADHD that's what it sounds like to me. Um, I could not find an official ADHD diagnosis. It just said that he couldn't pay attention to school and they diagnosed him with some other things. Um, to me, that sounds like ADHD. So based off of my research, I have drawn the conclusion that Daniel at a young age was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. And that alone can make growing up very, very hard. Now, not everybody who grows up in a very hard environment will go on to do anything illegal or bad, but unfortunately, a lot of people will end up doing that. Um, some of it's because they are acting out, some of it's they just the way they've developed, that they've learned, and unfortunately, Daniel was one of those people. Now, he would have a couple run-ins with the law enforcement. They were kept on the down low because Daniel was so young when it happened. And because of that, I could not find any specifics of what he did to get law enforcement involved. It sounds like he it probably was something like stealing or vandalism. But like I said, he was so young and they decided to keep it mostly hidden. I did notice, though, that it did talk about in his teenage years as he got a little bit older Daniel would be in trouble for a lot of theft, and that was the main run-in that he was having with the authorities at that time. Daniel, during his teenage years, would begin to break into people's home and steal their things. And by the age of 15, Daniel had broken into multiple different homes, raided and taken everything that he wanted, and in a few instances, he began to leave things behind or move things around the home so that way when the people would get home or wake up they would know that somebody would be or had been in the house and they would panic it seemed like daniel liked to play mind games on his victims and this 
was more fun than just stealing from them. So he stopped breaking in to steal things and he would just break in to move things around, leave things, and to mess with people. Daniel did this for a while. He would break into homes, move things around, watch people's reactions, see it in the news, all these things, and he really enjoyed doing it, much more than he ever enjoyed stealing or anything like that. And then his eyes would meet 15-year-old Tina Bowen. Now, Daniel and Tina went to the same school, and Daniel had actually asked her out on a date at one point. He really liked Tina. It sounds as though Tina agreed to go out on a date with Daniel at one point, but before the two could go out and date, spring break would hit, and they would kind of go their separate ways for a while. When they got back, though, some children at the school had actually spoken to Tina because they heard about Daniel asking her out, and they had informed Tina that Daniel was actually getting in trouble and being charged with raping somebody. Because of this, it was an immediate turnoff for her, and she would in turn tell Daniel that she was not interested and did not really want to have any more contact with him after that. Um, this caused Daniel to spiral out of control, you guys. Daniel really, really liked Tina, and he didn't know what he was going to do because she didn't like him back. Daniel was already breaking and entering people's homes and playing mind games, and he decided that because Tina was not interested, that he was going to break and enter her home. So he began to do that, break into Tina's home and just walk around for a while. It didn't sound like he moved things at first, but it does sound like he got Tina's phone number from somewhere in the home. Like it was probably written down somewhere and he took the number with him. After getting the number, which at first I thought it was Tina's personal number, but it actually sounds like it was the home number, Daniel would begin to call the home over and over and over. Now, Daniel enjoyed talking to whoever answered the phone. There was a couple different people that could have answered and probably did and probably also spoke to Daniel at one point. One of these was Tina, like we talked about. Now, Tina was the eldest daughter of the home. Her father also lived there, along with her younger sister, Karen, who was only nine years old. Now, it didn't matter who answered the phone to Daniel. He would tell whoever answered the phone that he had gotten their phone number from somebody that they all knew, and like basically a mutual friend, and that he was a very handsome, blonde, smart man who was also very athletic, and he did this in an attempt to gain their trust. Now, these girls did begin to feel like they knew this man that called them every single day, and they finally set up a day to hang out. During this entire time, Daniel was still breaking and entering into the home and watching the family. They believe he did this through a small crawl space that he had access to, and that's how he was getting in and out of the home. The day that they had set up to hang out came around. And it sounds as though Tina was the one who was going to hang out with Daniel, who she believed was this handsome, blonde, athletic man. Imagine her surprise when Daniel showed up. Daniel was not athletic. He did not have blonde hair. He was not anything like 
what was described. Now, what I think is interesting is none of my sources mentioned how Tina and Daniel had known each other previously. I'm unsure if Tina knew exactly who Daniel was, or maybe she didn't recognize him at all at this point, but I did think that that was an interesting thing that I wanted to bring up. Even though Daniel was not this blonde athletic man that she thought she was talking to, she did enjoy talking to him over the phone when he called, so she decided to go out with him and hang out. They would hang out at a fair together before Tina decided that she was done and she wanted to go home. She would make up an excuse and she would head out. Now, during this date, Tina and Daniel would make small talk and Tina would bring up how her mother had passed away from cancer recently. Now, Tina began to notice that Daniel would not leave this alone. He continued to ask her question after question about her mother and how she died and it was almost like he was just obsessed with how her mother had died. Then he moved on to asking her how it made her feel, how she was feeling now, what she thought, and all of these weird questions that did not feel like harmless questions, just creepy, almost obsession questions. And during one of these times that Daniel was breaking and entering into the home, he had actually witnessed Tina and her younger sister attempting to use a Ouija board to get in contact with their mother. So he really knew that these girls were struggling. She brought it up and they were trying to contact their mom. And he decided that it was time to mess with them. He had been breaking and entering in enough and not making anybody aware that somebody was coming in and out of the home. So now it was time. He began to change the TV channel. He began to move things around the house. And at night, he would begin to knock on their walls very often. At first, the girls thought that they had succeeded, that the use of this Ouija board had gotten them in contact with their mother, and she was answering their calls. But then empty alcohol bottles began to show up in the home. They all noticed the milk would be drank out of the fridge. And then weirdly enough, the words marry me, I'm in your room, come and find me, would be written on the wall in condiments from the fridge. They knew pretty clearly that it was not their mother. And then they would wake up and find a kitchen knife that had been stabbed through one of the family photos. And I probably know what you guys are thinking. Why was the dad not weirded out and freaking out either? And this is because the dad honestly assumed that the girls were pranking each other, that they were freaking each other out for no reason, and that nothing was really going on but sisterly fights. That was until the girls would come home one day on December 8th, 1986, and they noticed that somebody had used their bathroom and not flushed. They immediately told their father. Now at this point, it's been going out of control, basically. Their father was probably annoyed and just ready for it to be over, or it was very strange that somebody had used the bathroom and not flushed and he knew that they weren't making it up. Either way, he decided to scope out the home and figure out what was going on. In his horror, he would discover a young man hiding in his daughter's closet. This was Daniel. His face was painted 
He was wearing a jacket and a ninja mask and holding a hatchet, just staring at the father. He managed to get out of the home before anybody could catch him or even realize who he was. So for a while, he got away with it. It stresses me out to think about what could have happened to those girls that night. Because it seems as though Daniel did not have the intent on scaring them that day. He had the intent on doing something different. And they just got extremely lucky. And another reason I say this is because on December 1st, 1987, a year after he was found in the home of Tina, he would break into the home of a nursery school teacher whose name was Priscilla Gustafson, and Daniel would rape and shoot her multiple times, killing her and her unborn child. He would then go into the rooms of her children, seven-year-old Abigail and five-year-old William, take them into separate bathrooms and drown both of them in a bathtub. Because of this, it was very, very clear and is very clear to me that he did not have any good intents that day that he was caught in Tina's home. It might have started off as mind games, but he intended on hurting somebody that day and they got lucky. Daniel would be handed three life sentences for the murder of the woman, Priscilla, her unborn child, and her two living young children. He tried to get them to give him a retrial where he asked for less time because he claimed that he was so young and he was a minor and didn't know better. But the judge did not agree with this. And they told him he was to continue the sentence that he was handed. Thank goodness Tina's father listened to his gut that day and did a house check. Because it's entirely possible that they would have been Daniel's first victim. And they got lucky because they scared him off because he got found. Unfortunately, it doesn't really seem as though there would be a way to prevent Daniel from killing. He did have red flags, but not enough to really be put away before he hurt Priscilla and all of her children. It really makes you think and wonder if that thumping upstairs was something falling, maybe an animal in your attic, or if there's somebody that's watching you and waiting, studying your every move with the intent on hurting you and your family when they got the chance. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.